Welcome to another message from Ron Heitman, lead pastor at Evangel Church. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc. We've been looking over the last few weeks at different characteristics of people, both in Old Testament and New Testament, where they used uh, difficult situations in their lives to draw themselves closer to God and how God used those circumstances, those hard moments, those difficult hours of certain seasons of their life to forge them into becoming the people of God that he wants us to be. And that's what he does in all of our lives. And when we're going through a difficult time, sometimes we feel like God's a million miles away. Anybody ever feel that way? You feel like, man, where is God? I want you to know he's right there on the scene and he uses those to mold us and shape us into godly people. As a matter of fact, we've been using this word forge throughout this series. And forge, just a reminder, is simply to make or shape. It's usually in the reference of something metal. And I don't know about yours, but my head sometimes is pretty hard-headed. It may be in the form of a metal shape sometimes. And uh, we get this idea that by heating uh, or forging it in the fire or the furnace and literally shaping it, beating it, hammering it. Now, you say, is that what God is? Is he's like the ultimate blacksmith in the sky, hammering us and, and make us what he wants us to be? No, I think he uses the hardships of our lives. The things that cause the difficult hours. And then he comes in and he shapes those things in our life to make us incredible of what he wants us to be. So we're taking a look this morning at uh, an Old Testament character named Jonah. As a matter of fact, I, I have a little friend here today. I can't wait to give that to one of your kids, okay? Immediately following, I'm just going to go over and hand it to one of your kids so you can deal with the goldfish, okay? But just to remind this by the name, his name is Jonah, okay? Just wanted you to have that. Now, uh, also there's some uh, goldfish at your seat. Now, what does this represent? Now, you're, you're, feel free, some of you have already munched on them, and that's perfectly fine. It's okay to munch that in a little snack here in church. But I, I wanted to just put something in your hands today to make you think about the hard moments of your life that very possibly God used that hardship or difficulty to teach you a great lesson about himself, about what he wants you to be for him. And there's many times, there's times that God does use those seasons of our life that we really want to get out of that season. We're ready to go to the next level. Okay, God, I'm ready, I'm ready. But somehow he holds us there and continues to allow those hardship moments to to speak to our lives and he shapes us into these great people of God that he longs for us to be. So a couple little ideas there to to work on. I'm, I'm going to talk to you this morning about the character in the scripture that a lot of people don't even believe happened. There's some people that don't even believe the Bible is true. And uh, I, I oppose that this morning. How many of you believe the Word of God is definitely true and it's what God uses to speak to our lives on a daily basis? I believe that with all my heart. So I believe in the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament. When Jesus healed someone, I believe blind eyes were opened. How about it? Anybody with me? Okay. I don't believe it was just, you know, a coincidence or something like that, that maybe there's a, a you know, out of body. No, I think that's the miraculous power of God. In the Old Testament stories of the Red Sea parting, I believe that was God showcasing his incredible, miraculous power, supernatural power. And likewise, in the story of Jonah. Some of you may not know the story of Jonah, but it makes me uh, think back of my kids when they were little. My, my oldest now is, is 17. I can't believe she's going to be a senior this fall. But I remember when she was just a little girl, uh, when, when kids grow up in church all the time, it's not uncommon for them to, to kind of act church out at home. And I remember one day... She was adamant, and it's the cutest picture we got of her because she's in her one of her Sunday dresses. She's got a little blue dress that she put on, and she wanted my wife to carry this little, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's, a, it's one of those woman things in, in your house that's uh, where you put a vase or a plant on. It's a little statue, uh, not a statue, little pillar. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? Little pillar thing that you kind of have. She wanted that at the top of the stairs. 
So Tamara wasn't sure what she wanted, but she took this little pillar and she put it on the top of the stairs and she went and got her Bible and she wanted to sing and preach and have church, okay? So she was standing behind this little little uh, pillar and she's got her little blue dress on and we've got a snapshot of her. I should have brought it today. I wish I would have. It's got her head thrown back and her mouth wide open and she's just singing away, Okay. And she's got her little Bible, little children's Bible. And Tamara says, I'll never forget what she said. As soon as she did, she said, Lord, help me. I'm going to Nineveh. <laughs> no idea what's in a kid's mind, but she had the idea of the story of Jonah. In the middle between services, one of the families brought their kids up. And, and these little guys like to see me every week, give them a high five and everything, a little fist bump. And... Uh, Dad was holding the little one this morning in his, in his arms, and he had his little transformer uh, thing that he had showed me earlier, and here's the other little guy, Ryan's about five years old, and so we were talking, and, and I said, hey, you got some goldfish, and I said, you know what those are for? This is because we told the story of, of Jonah in the, in the service this morning. And I said, Ryan, do you know the story of Jonah? And oh, that's all I had to do. Man, he started telling me the story of Jonah. And about the time when he meant to, you know, to tell that the, the whale spit Jonah out, his little brother sneezed all over his dad's head. Just, it was the nastiest thing. But it was perfect timing in the story of Jonah, okay? But, uh, we'll try not to make it that realistic this morning, okay? But the big idea today of this message as you've heard me say in the introduction, God refines us. He refines us and forges us through various seasons and circumstances of our lives. But here's what we learn today as we close this series. It's not a one-time event. We look in the life of Jonah and we realize God forges us continuously through our life as he makes us into the people of God. And you say, Pastor, what is this all about? What's this story about? I'll tell you a little more about it. But I want you to think, it's summertime. Let's say you and your wife, guys, you decide to go kayaking, okay? Check out this video and see if this is ever going to be in your future. Okay, take a look. Yes. Look, there's one really, really close. Oh, my God, you see that? Full breach right out in front of us. Surrounded by them. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's a rare and hazardous close up encounter, calling for a wise retreat. Oh, he got swallowed by a humpback whale. I'm just blown away. I, my, my heart's absolutely going like a drum. My mouth's all completely dry. Oh, that was the most amazing but terrifying moment of my life. Okay, that just crossed off my desire to ever go kayaking, okay? I don't know about you, it's not in my summer plan, okay? Don't need that one, okay? But this is the story of Jonah, and there's four chapters in the Old Testament given to Jonah's book of the Bible. And I would encourage you, it's not very long. I, I wish we had time every Sunday morning to read the entire story, but most of the chapters are just about 10, 12 verses long. So you could actually probably read the entire story of Jonah this afternoon, probably in less than 10 minutes. So I encourage you to do that. But if you have your Bibles, open to Jonah chapter 1, and we'll look through this story throughout the various lessons that we see that happened to Jonah in the course of this story of the whale, Okay. Jonah, as you uh, understand this morning, was a prophet of God. He was a man of God that was obviously doing what God had called him to do. And he had a relationship with the Lord. And God spoke to him to go to Nineveh and tell them that if they did not change their evil ways, that God would judge them. Now, being the prophet that Jonah was, he liked the idea of the Ninevites getting judged because he didn't like them. He just didn't want to be the guy to go tell him, okay? And so rather than going and obeying God, he literally turns and goes the opposite direction. He tries to flee from God. As a matter of fact, in the, uh, the first uh, chapter, it says, Jonah got up 
and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How many of you know you cannot get away from the Lord? How many of you know that? Uh, some of you have probably tried that at a, at a certain time in your life. You thought, okay, I'll hide. Okay, I'll, I'll duck behind the curtain here and God will never find me. That's impossible to do, okay? You just can't do it. It goes on to say that he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is one of those uh, great moments from the great theologian Forrest Gump. Uh, Mom always said, stupid is as stupid does, right? And that's all I'm going to say about that. You cannot run from God. And if you're here this morning, and there is a lesson that God's trying to teach you, and you try to run away from that, I promise you, wherever you show up, God's going to be there. And God's going to lovingly, sometime firmly, but he'll share with you that lesson. He's trying to, to get embedded into your heart. He's forging that lesson into your life. He wants you to grow into the person God wants you to be. And I don't know, but you need to ask yourself, are, are you seeing some whales close to your boat today? Okay, is, is, there, is that big eye of that, of that whale kind of sizing you up and stretching his mouth a little bit, seeing, okay, how wide do I need to get to swallow this guy up? Because you say, why are you saying that, Pastor? If some of you don't know the story, as he's on this boat, they get out there in the waters and this huge storm comes and they're about to die. The, the, the ship is about to capsize and they finally, they cast lots to say, okay, which one is, is this on? And, and it comes to, to Jonah. And Jonah's the one that says, it's, it's because of me. And he, he tells the guys, throw me overboard. And, and they just couldn't come to that. They just said, we can't do that. But it can continue to get worse and worse. And he finally said, if you'll throw me overboard, this thing will stop. And so they throw Jonah overboard. And you say, wow, this is in the Bible? Oh, yeah. And when he goes into the water, the storm stops. About that time, a great fish, the scripture says, a whale comes and swallows him whole. And then it says that he spends three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. It's interesting, and I'll share something that happens on the inside of this. He, he doesn't get chomped up. This is not Jaws, okay? This is Jonah, okay? And he's inside the belly of this huge fish, and he begins to pray. And then he spewed out onto the ground, and God speaks to him a second time and says, go to Nineveh, and he does. And he tells them to repent. The people, though evil though they were, they trusted in the message, and they repented of their evil ways. And he comes back to God, and he is so frustrated because he knew God's mercy was, was to the reputation that it is, and that God would forgive these huge, wicked, evil people. And he was ticked off at God. And uh, literally, he, he goes and he builds this little shelter, and there's this this incredible plant that grows and it provides this beautiful shade for him. And here the prophet, though, he's muttering about how these people have, have come back to God and repented. He's so frustrated. He's at least enjoying the shade of this, this incredible plant. And then a worm comes and eats the plant. And it kills the plant. And then he gets sunburned. How many of you get sunburned? Okay, I get sunburned real easy. That's why I've got this right now. I got this little surgery thing going on because of sunburn. So he, in this story, gets burnt by the sun and, and the wind and everything. And he is so agonized. He's saying, God, I'd just rather die. And then we come to the last conversation in the fourth chapter at the end. And we're left with a cliffhanger. We're literally, the story of, of Jonah, we really don't have a final chapter. It, it ends with a question to Jonah from God. And that's kind of the fast track story of these four chapters. But I want you to think about what God's trying to do in Jonah's life. Because as you read through these four chapters, you're going to see Jonah's personal DNA and his makeup. There was disobedience. There was stubbornness, there was prejudice against sinners, against Nineveh. He did not want them to have the mercy of God. He wanted them judged. He was vengeful. He was prideful. 
And he was angry, he was a complainer, and he was judgmental. You say, man, that doesn't sound so good for a prophet of God. But that was all in his characteristic. And God loved him enough to deal with these circumstances of his life to start forging him and making him into the man that God wanted him to be. And as you see that, you'll start seeing a little bit more that happens in his life. You see God's starting to work on him. And early on with the men on the ship, he then confesses. And he realizes this is his fault. This storm of of his life right now that's impacting the whole ship, it's because of his disobedience. So he confesses that. And he surrenders himself. He says, okay, guys, throw me into the water. He becomes the sacrifice so the other people could live. Then in the the days of being in the the belly of the whale, there's a prayerfulness that comes out of him. It's a beautiful prayer as he's calling out to God. Then there's obedience because God was diligently forging Jonah into a God-made man. Now, when we start talking about all those negative things that were in Jonah's makeup, can I just tell you, he's not so different from you and me. How many of you can identify? You don't have to raise your hand and don't you dare elbow your husband or your wife. But how many of you know there's some stubborn disobedience in all of our lives sometimes? There's resistance sometimes to know what God's trying to tell us to do and yet we resist and we want to do our own thing. And I guarantee you there's people in the room that God chooses to work in a certain way in your life and you don't like it that way. Because you've got it figured out a much better way that you expect God to do it this way. And when he doesn't quite do it that way, you get a little negative and you complain a little bit and you're frustrated a little bit because you have an expectation because you think you know how God should act. Anybody identify what I'm talking about now? You understand that this speaks to everybody in the room and I'm the first one in line because all of us at some times will allow ourselves and our flesh and our stubbornness, our, our willful choice to believe what we think is best for ourselves to sometimes we think we can trump God's work in our lives. And God is that faithful person that forges us and makes us into who he wants us to be. So we see this and we find some lessons that God wants to do. It's interesting because... God uses a unique way. He kind of uses the Chinese water torture on Jonah in the middle of this whale, okay, in the belly. And it's drip, 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 you know, drip, drip. It's hitting him on the next day, you know, drip, 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 drip. And the third day, just the slow drip, just on his head somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining this. And at some point, he's so frustrated. It's amazing that water can do certain things like that to us to make us think a little bit. As a matter of fact, when we were doing some of the remodeling over in the other side of the building and looking at some uh, countertops, we wanted to put some really nice countertops in the cafe. We went to a place and one of the men of the church showed me something. He said, look at this guy's, uh, this guy's company. And, he, and we were in the office there and he said, well, let's step back to look in the place where they were working the granite. And it was amazing as they were cutting this granite. You think this granite is so strong, so powerful, a, a material from the earth. But they were literally cutting it with water. And I'd never seen anything like that. But the pressure was so intense It wasn't the amount of water, it was the pressure of the water so intense on that granite, it was literally cutting it and shaping it into something beautiful. And it's interesting here in the life of Jonah, God uses water at this point in his life to being swallowed by a whale after he was thrown into the the sea to literally start melting him away and shaping and taking all the rough edges into something beautiful that could be used of God. And so we have this picture of what God's trying to teach Jonah through all these different circumstances of his life. So here's some lessons to swallow, okay? Here's some things to think about Jonah. And maybe it'll compare to some of the lessons that God's trying to teach you. The first lesson, listen to me because I believe this is a message for this church. And I believe it's a message for every one of us here. The first lesson, Jonah could hear God. He just didn't want to obey him. In the very first chapter, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah. I want you to hear this. There was no doubt that Jonah had heard from God. 
God had spoke to him, and God speaks to us on a regular basis. And I, people, I believe there's people in this room right now that can sense God's voice to you on a regular basis in your life. And one of the easiest ways is when you pick up God's Word, and you're reading it, and you're like, man, that's for me. Or you're in a service like this on a Sunday, or you're in a Bible class, or you're in a, a setting of one of our discipleship things, and there's a teaching going on, and all of a sudden you feel God speak to your heart, and you're like, man, that's for me. That is, that is for my life, and God is speaking to me on that. This is one of the lessons that we learned from Jonah. He could hear God's voice. The problem was, he just didn't want to obey it. Now, all these lessons are going to apply to us, and I'm going to do my best to not ask you to raise your hands because i got a funny feeling your arms would get a workout today of saying, yep, that applies to me. I hear God's voice at times, but I don't always do what he tells me to do. This is a lesson that God's trying to forge into Jonah's life is to listen and be obedient to him. Jonah literally went into the opposite direction and thought he could run from God. And you can hear God all you want, but if you refuse to listen to God, you better get your swimming suit on, okay? You better get prepared. And God can use anything in our lives to show us that he's trying to convince us that his way is the best way for our lives. So that first lesson is don't just hear God's voice, but obey it. The second lesson we find out from Jonah is Jonah worshiped the Lord, but didn't yield to the Lord. Look at what it says in verse 9 of chapter 1. It says this, I am a Hebrew. This is what he answers the men on the ship when they were asking, who are you, by the way? What, what, what's brought you here? And why is this, this uh, casting of the lots? Or why is this when we, we want to know who's causing this? Why is it falling on you? Who, just who are you? And he declares to them, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. I want you to see that declaration exactly coming from Jonah's mouth because it's so important. There are people, listen to me, in this country, in churches, and I mean in this church today, as well as across the world, that love God, that love God's word, that listen to God's word, and they want to come and worship the Lord. They love singing a song. They may lift their hands. They may clap their hands. They want to do what the word of God says when it comes to worship. But listen, you cannot just worship the Lord and then not yield to what God is telling you to do. Worship starts, yes, in your right relationship with God, but obedience completes it. It's a part of your worship. And I want you to know, obedience is that ultimate act of worship that shows that you really love God. It's one thing to stand here today and say, God, I came to church here and I worship you, I love you. It's another thing when you walk out of the doors to put into practice what God speaks to your heart. That's so significant and it's so hard for us sometimes because we choose our own selfish desires rather than the desires of the Lord. You can worship here on Sunday and that's so good. But it's not complete until you take it from this place and you put it into practice. I I was at another church a a couple of weeks ago preaching and I was praying with people at the altar and a woman came up to me and she said, "Uh, Pastor Ron, I need you to pray for my marriage because it's about to end. And I said, well, let's pray about it. She said, you don't understand. My husband comes to church here with me and everybody sees him. Now remember, this wasn't at our church because I don't want you like looking at each other, you know, like, who is that? Oh, I thought that. No, don't do that. Okay, it was a different church, okay? She said, my husband comes in and he has everybody in this church fooled. He says, he comes to church, he walks in, Greets everybody. Everybody thinks he's just perfect and all good. He says, before we literally get home, it begins. And it's like he changes and treats me horribly. It's just a horrible circumstance. He started sharing the thing. I want you to understand, it's one thing to come to the house of the Lord to worship. But it's a different thing to put into practice what God's word teaches us and yield to him that we're not only obedient, but we're yielding in our hearts to do the things that God's trying to help us become the things that he wants us to be. So I want to challenge you, don't let it just be uh, a show here at church, but let it be something that you, you live for God. You can have all the warm fuzzies you want when they sing your favorite song, and you can be, yeah, this is awesome, but you better obey God's voice when you walk from this place and live for the Lord. 
The third lesson that we see from Jonah is that Jonah eventually prayed. The key word there is, listen to me, eventually. He eventually prayed. But look what I'm trying to get across in this lesson. But his stubborn resistance took days for him to cry out to God. Look at what the verse verse 17 of chapter 1 says, and it moves on into the second chapter. It says this. Look at the screens if you want. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and what? Three nights. What's the next word? Say it louder. Then, when I was reading through this this week, this kind of just jumped at me. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. How many days does it have to take for you to realize it might be a good idea to start praying now? When you're seeing stuff floating around, okay, in the belly of the whale, all right? The seaweed's all over your head and you're trying to pull it off, you know, and there goes something else like, what, what was that, you know? How many days? Do you need in the belly of the whale, swimming around in the deep, until you realize it might be a good idea to pray? The fact that I'm alive, the fact that when I was thrown overboard, immediately the storm stopped, and there I was, just kind of floating along, and then boom, here comes the whale. How many days does it take God to convince you that you might want to call on his name? How stubborn are we some days? How difficult is it for us to need God in our lives? And this just blew me away when I was looking at this. I'm like, why was he so resistant on this? It's amazing because we discover something beautiful in this prayer. Even after the three days and three nights, look at what we discover from Jonah's prayer. It says this in verse 2 of chapter 2. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. How many of you can say, I've been there, and I cried out to the Lord? Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you said, in my trouble, in my moments of great trouble, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me? That's the truth that we see from that. When we cry out to God, God answers. The second thing that you discover from his incredible prayer in this belly of the whale, he says, but you, O Lord, in verse 6 of chapter 2, but you, O Lord, my God, snatched me. You snatched me from the jaws of death. And you're thinking, yeah, that was a literal thing for Jonah. But do you understand? It's a real thing for you and I too. Because when we cry out to God and he saves us, he has snatched us away from sin and from hell. And we can thank God that he snatched us away from the jaws of death. Anybody can say amen to that? A little quiet this morning. I don't know why. Just a tad quiet. But we can thank God that he snatched us away from certain death in our lives. And the last thing that we see in this incredible prayer that he he cries out and he discovers this from the Lord. Verse 9, he says, my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And I don't know how long it takes all of us to discover that, but it's not about how good you are. It's not how kind a person you are at work. It's not how moral a person. It doesn't matter how many friends you have on Facebook. It doesn't matter any of these things that, okay, I helped uh, the little grandma across the street last week, so obviously I'm a good person and I deserve heaven. No, you need to understand that your salvation comes from God alone. Nothing else. It is his incredible mercy and love and grace that saves us and Jonah in that moment discovers that as he cries out to God. The fourth lesson that we see here, this is an important one. Jonah was delivered, but it wasn't pretty. He became whale spit, okay? I know that's kind of crass, but that's what he was. He was vomited out onto the beach, and it wasn't a pretty sight, Because along with everything else that was sitting there maybe in that one portion of the whale, so a whole bunch of other stuff came out too. And there he is on the shore, nasty. He didn't smell good. He didn't look good. It was a rough morning for him. 
on that final fourth day, he gets there on the shore and he spit out. He doesn't look too pretty. Verse 10 says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That always amazed me when I read that because the fish was better at obeying God than the prophet was. And you know what? I just marvel at God's creativity. I marvel at his creation. Whenever I'm outside and I see things, I, I, I was talking to the boys, Matt, this morning about the beautiful pictures I see you guys post at times and the beautiful mountains and everything else. And when you see the incredible creativity of God and then knowing that he is so sovereign that he speaks to a whale or a great fish and upon his command, it obeys. That's pretty amazing. And yet there's a prophet of God that's supposed to do what he's supposed to do and, and share this prophecy with the right people that God tells him. And he's resistant and stubborn and disobedient. But here he is, and it's nasty, it's messy there on the beach. And it just reminds me to tell you this morning, God delivers us from death. That's true. But there are consequences oftentimes of our disobedience that still lingers for a season. And that's the, the aftermath of being spit out on the beach. You're safe now and God's delivered you, but it takes a while before you get cleaned up. But I want to encourage you, don't stay there on the beach in the mess. Let God pull you up and get cleaned off and move into obedience like God wants you to do. And there's some people that struggle for a season after they've turned their life over to God because you're still suffering some of the consequences of your past choices. But be faithful to God and watch God turn your life around as you're faithful to Him. God's faithful. He cleans us up and He sets us on our way and then we get to start over. And that leads us into the, the fifth lesson here. Jonah got a second chance from God as did the people of Nineveh. All those wicked, evil sinners, they got a second chance. And can I tell you, so did you and I. How many of you are glad we serve a God of a second chance? God's willing to give us second chances. And you know, for some of us, he's given us third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances because he loves us and he wants us to get on that path of a God-made person that wants to be what God wants them to be says in verse this is 1 and 3 of chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah, what? A second time. You see, God didn't stop speaking to Jonah, even though he horribly disobeyed. And man, God's timeline for Nineveh had to be put on pause because Jonah the prophet wasn't being obedient. And so God has to say, okay, if you want to do it the hard way, okay, we'll do it this way. And so he's patient with Jonah, and as soon as Jonah realizes and is delivered from the, the fish and he's there on the shore, God speaks to him a second time. He gives him that second chance to be obedient to God. And so we see that, and, and it's a powerful thing, but look at what God did for Nineveh in verse 10. It says, when God saw what they had done, in other words, when they repented of their sin, what they had done, and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. He gave them a second chance. He gave them that opportunity. So God gave Jonah a second chance and Nineveh a second chance. And if you're here today and there's been moments in your life that you've just stubbornly disobeyed God, I can give you the word of encouragement. He'll give you a second chance. He'll help you, he'll work with you, and you, you can be the God-made person that God wants you to be. But we find this in the story of Jonah, and I can look out at this room this morning, and I know some of the stories that are here of how God did give many of you second chances. I, it's, it's a privilege to me to know some of your testimonies, and I'm anxious to hear more of your testimonies of how God has delivered you out of some tough seasons of your life. Choices, consequences of those choices, but God's been faithful to you. And I hope all of you are thankful for that story of testimony that you have in your life. And that gives us our sixth lesson. Jonah eventually obeyed. But guess what? When I get to this fourth chapter, I cannot believe what happens in Jonah's life. Jonah eventually obeyed, but was dissatisfied with God's plan. And when I read the fourth chapter, you know what it tells me? 
When I get to this final lesson in Jonah's book, I realize when I read the, read the very last verse, it literally, this cliff-hanging verse speaks this lesson to me, that though he eventually obeyed, he was so dissatisfied with what God's plan was, God had to continue to forge his life. He literally had to continue to shape him and mold him and make him. He wasn't done. Even after he obeyed, he was still a work in progress. He hadn't learned all the lessons that God wanted him to learn. And so we end this book, we end this story of Jonah knowing that God wasn't done with him yet. I've got news for you. He's not done with me either. And I got news for you. He's not done with you either. Because we've all got more lessons that God wants to teach us and challenge us in. And we've got to be willing to say, Lord, help me learn. Help me understand what you want for my life. Let's, let's go a little deeper in the close of this story. Before we can get all judgmental on Jonah, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been dissatisfied with God? One honest man rose his hand, okay? The rest of us, how many of you, I'm going to ask that question one more time. How many of you have been dissatisfied with God sometimes? Sure you have. Sure you have. You're afraid to raise your hand. You don't want to get lightning struck, right? You know, uh, you've disagreed. You've disagreed how God's plan worked out. You wanted it this way, and God did it this way. And you're like, wait a second. Wait a second, God, this would be so much better if you would have done it this way. And here we've got to go through this now because you chose to do it this way. And we're dissatisfied. That's what really happened to Jonah. The scripture says in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, when, when Nineveh repented and God relented his judgment for a season on their life it says this change of plans look what it says greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry so he complained to the Lord about it Jonah became this big whiner even as he testifies to the goodness of God because verse 2 says you are a merciful and compassionate God slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Wah, 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 wah. I mean, he's testifying to God's goodness of how he relented his judgment to Nineveh, but now he's like, man, you're such a great God, but I really wanted those people toast. I want them to feel your judgment. He's upset over it to the point in verse 3, he says this. Listen to the whining. Just kill me now. Just kill me now, Lord. Now, now we find out what the deeper problem was in his life. Look at it. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Oh, oh, friends. This was not about God's word coming to pass. This was about his pride saying what I predicted. He wanted that recognition in his life. Do you see the pride and the arrogance still in Jonah's life? This is after three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. He is not done yet. Do you see what I'm saying? He is still struggling with his selfish desire and his own selfish recognition. He wants his word of prophecy to come to pass because his reputation is on the line. How many of you know it's God's reputation on the line, not ours? And God's going to do what he wants to do whether we're in sync with him or not. We've got to be careful in these kind of lessons of our life because when you try to get out of one of the lessons God is trying to teach you, I promise you, you're going to try to run this way or you're going to try to do it this way and all of a sudden God's going to ring the bell to school and say, hey, you're not running, you're not playing hooky out of this lesson. You've got to listen and you've got to hear what I'm trying to teach you so you can be the person of God that I want you to be. God's lessons to us through these kind of circumstances. Now, I just think it's important for you to know that some people want their way 
more than the way of God. And that's a dangerous place to be. And when it's that way, more foraging is in your future. Man, I can tell you this. God, here's my heart. Please, Lord, I know you're going to have to teach me lessons. But God, please let me learn the lesson the first time. Please don't make me have to go back and do fifth grade again. Don't hold me back another year and say, nope, you didn't learn your lesson. i got to teach this all over again to you. God, please let me have a sensitive heart to your will and your way and your word and do what you want me to do. Because if I resist, he will continue to teach me until I learn the lesson. Man, we've got to be careful. You know, verse 6 and 7 of the fourth chapter, it says... The Lord arranged. How many of you trust God enough in your life that there are things that God arranges just for you? Let me see your hand. That you believe so much in the sovereignty of God. What does sovereignty mean? It means that he has this unbelievable control ability and power and authority to to take care of the details of our life. I believe God arranges things in our life. He puts the right person in our path to help us get the job that he wants us to have. In that time of transition, God connects you with the right people and he arranges certain things to happen. The people that you're married to and the children that are, you're raising, God somehow in his incredible sovereign way arranges things and puts our lives together. Scripture says that when Jonah went out to, in his whining state and frustration how God chose to do it his way instead of Jonah's way he goes and he builds this shelter and it says the Lord arranged in verse 6 for this plant to grow and provide him shade the coolness of that moment there finally the prophets he's still mumbling but at least he's in the shade then right next verse verse 7 it says And the Lord arranged a worm to come eat the plant, and it kills the plant. Isn't that interesting? The Lord arranged both things, blessing and favor, and then he allowed something to take that blessing and favor away, all for the point of teaching Jonah, hey, listen, I'm not done with you yet. He gets all sunburnt, gets all exasperated all over again and literally as we come to the close of this chapter it says that this happened and Jonah is so frustrated and it literally I'm going to read the last I didn't have it up on the screen but I'm going to read it to you it says this death is certainly better than living like this that's what Jonah said to God death is better than living like this then God said to Noah, or to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. He's arguing with God. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh, has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? End of the book. We don't hear the end of Jonah's story. We don't know what happened next. It stops there. But you know what that speaks to me? God's still working on Jonah. And no matter where you're at and what situation or circumstance in your life, guess what? God's still working on you and me. God's still working on you and me. And I want God to work on me because I don't want him to leave me alone. I don't want him to push me aside and say, you're too far. If you want to know the rest of the story of Nineveh, they eventually went back on their following God. And they went more evil than they ever were. And God's judgment eventually destroyed the city. Listen to me, I want God to be at work in my life, and I believe you do too. But that doesn't mean it's always easy. Sometimes there's three days and three nights of some lonely time together. 
But don't put it off to pray and ask God to help you because he's there to help your life. Let me close with this. This is what you need to take home with you. Resistance, resistance will get you swallowed. Resistance from God will get you swallowed, but dependence will get you delivered. If you're struggling today, I want to challenge you. Don't resist God. And I need to ask you, what direction are you going when it comes to God's will for various areas of your life? Is there an area this morning? Maybe you love the Lord with all your heart. You talk to God. You listen to God. You worship here this morning. It's a great thing to do. Those are great options. Great great part of your spiritual journey. But is there an area of your life that you're resistant to God? Learn this lesson. Judgment will get you shocked, but mercy will get you saved. And in this story of Jonah, he struggled with forgiveness of these evil people. And I'm going to ask you, do you need to forgive someone rather than judging them? Is there somebody in your life? Is there somebody in your life? I had a a seasoned man of God come up to me. A seasoned man of God come up to me after the first service said, Pastor, I need to ask you a question. Do we still need to forgive someone if they're already gone, if they're already dead? And I said, absolutely. Because the forgiveness liberates you. It frees you. What they've done, they've done. But your forgiveness liberates you from holding something against that person. I want you to think right now, Lord, ask this question of God. Lord, is there somebody I have not forgiven that I need to forgive? I don't want anything to hinder my journey with God. So Lord, is there somebody in my life that I need to have that forgiveness for so I can be liberated from that? If it is, if God's already spoken to your heart, and that person comes to mind without saying that loud but whispered under your breath whisper their name and say Lord I forgive and tell, tell the Lord who that person is say it right now let God do something supernatural in your heart right now by forgiving that person that's been a hindrance in your journey with God Lord forgive us Lord let us forgive others Last thing is stubborn. Stubborn will get you burnt. You need to surrender if you want peace. And if you're frustrated with God's plan for whatever reason in your life right now, I want to challenge you. Let God do a work in your heart. Because if you resist that and you're stubborn with that, God will allow the sun to beat down until you're plausible in his hands to work and be able to be the person that God wants you to be. I want you to bow your heads, would you, right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If there's somebody here today and you're saying, Pastor, I am not right with God. I have been so disobedient. And I know as I sit here today, I have literally tried to run from God. He has whispered to me. He has spoken to me. I've seen his faithfulness in my life. I know God's been trying to bring me to himself, but I have literally tried to go the opposite direction and hide from him. But I know God is speaking to me again today. This is my chance once again, and God's saying that he loves you. God's telling you you've got another chance, and he wants to help you be the person of God that he wants you to be. If there's somebody here today, you say, Pastor, that's me. And I need to get my heart right with God. I want you to raise your hand right now. Nobody else looking around, just me. Anybody here say, Pastor, I am not right with God. Thank you. I see your hand. You can put it down. Somebody else say, Pastor, that's me. I've been resisting and I've been trying to do my own thing and I'm wrong by it. I know God's speaking to my heart. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your tender heart. That's awesome. Anybody else? I just want to take a moment. Anybody else say, Pastor, I know God loves me, but I've been stubbornly resisting. 
God's voice to my life and I need to be right with God. It's awesome. Thank the Lord. Yeah, I see your hand. You can put it down. I want you to open your eyes and look at me. Pastor Jeff last week made a great statement in his closing. He said, in moments like this, we're thinking about what God's saying to us. The thoughts come to our mind. But when you raise your hand and say, that's me. I need God to do something. Look, it goes from a thought to a next step that's a right step that says, God, I want to be right with you. Do you realize that's a step of faith? Because you know God is going to be there to meet your need when you do that. I want us all to stand right now. Would you do that? And let's pray a prayer for those that raised their hand just a moment ago. Would you pray this prayer together with me? Mean it from the depths of your heart. Because you know what? With our eyes wide open, with our eyes wide open, where everybody can see, how many of you say, Pastor, I confess there's times I resist what God's trying to get me to do. Let me see your hands. Come on. Come on. But this is a lesson that God's trying to teach us. He's trying to forge us into being the people of God He wants us to be. So let's pray together with these that raise their hand. Let's do this right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving me another chance. And I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God that you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and I thank you today for being the Savior of my life. I ask right now that my sins be washed away, and I pray from this day forward that I would live in a way that would be pleasing to you. Help me not do the things that I used to do, But let me honor you in obedience to be the person of God that you want me to be. Thank you, Jesus, for my second chance. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we say thank the Lord for those people that made that decision today? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just want to encourage those that raised their hand today. I'm going to hang out here for a couple of minutes, and I'd love to talk with you, even if it's just for just a second before you leave. I've also got a gift for you that our church wants you to have, because just like you took that next step this morning, there's a couple other steps that you can take to give you confidence in your journey with God. I want to encourage you. Have a great week in the Lord. Be salt and light this week. Be blessed to the Lord, and let's live for God. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen. This concludes the teaching. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened. For more information on Evangel Church, visit us at evangelchurch.cc.